All right. Well, good morning and welcome back to the Outer Circle Inner Stillness uh, conversations and reflections on recovery life and the spiritual life and how they interact and inform each other. And my name is Reese Basimio. I'm a counselor here in Gresham, Oregon, and with a good friend, special guest, uh, former boss, (laughs) Orlando Rivera. Hello, Orlando. Hi. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. Good. Yes. Uh, how are you these days? What are, what are you up to in the counseling world? Um, well, I'm kind of working on the other side of the coin. I, I have sort of put the counseling on a sabbatical, if you will, and now I'm teaching and teaching future counselors whom we desperately need out in this profession uh, about the elements of counseling and what that entails. Very cool. Yeah. And where do you teach? I currently teach at Portland Community College. I currently teach two particular cohorts, which is a grant-driven cohort for um, BIPOC individuals, those who are seeking to work within the profession. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And and you've been doing teaching on and off for for a long time. Uh, (laughs) I think I know this. I I technically, I'm going to go back to the last century. Uh, Technically, I started in 1992. Uh, teaching and working with gang kids, but it wasn't counseling. It was computers. And uh, I didn't think computers were going to go anywhere. I know a little ashamed about that, but um, (laughs) I I left that and then uh, I uh, didn't do anything for a while. And then I actually came back to teaching at the college in 2004. Yeah, a little while. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Yeah. Funny thing about those computers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No regrets, though. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. What's been What's been your favorite thing, or one of your favorite things to teach? All of them. Uh, <laughs> I I suppose if I really were to pin it down, it would be because I have a love for doing groups and providing group service, but I also have an affinity towards teaching those basic components of basic skills in counseling. So I would generally say the elements of counseling, basic counseling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny how like those basic elements, they, they, they never get old and they don't. Yeah. And even, even me, I mean, I'd consider myself a reasonably advanced counselor at this point. Um, but like, I mean, the, like the basics of just like, what is like attunement or like what's happening when like I make eye contact with you yeah. and, and, and hear you all over the way. Like, yeah. uh, like even in some of these very, very sophisticated, fancy, like internal family systems, uh, big modalities, like a lot of it comes back to like, like, can, can I listen to you and be present with you? Yeah. You know, it's so funny that you say that because one of the last things I generally say in the, in that particular class is whenever you feel stuck, go back to basics because we will advance and we will learn and we will, you know, absorb new different techniques, et cetera. Some we'll be afraid of, some we won't touch, some that we'll stick to. But at the end of the day, as I tell all my students, just be open to going back to basics and it's okay. Yep. So, which I feel like, uh, is a good principle in, in a lot of arenas. Uh, so, I mean, talking human relationships, like you're yeah. stuck with a person, go back to basics. Like, are you actually hearing the person? Are you actually speaking honestly, truly with a person? Some foundational yeah. things like that. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm currently doing a MI or motivational interviewing training uh, with the folks back at uh, NEC or the Northeast Caribbean ATTC with uh, through SAMHSA. Uh, it's a uh, six hour course. I get up, you know, at five o'clock in the morning to be on time at 6 a.m. So we do two hours a day for the next three days. And um, as I tell my students or tell anyone else, it's uh it's all about keeping oneself open with integrity and honesty about where you're at, wherever you're at in terms of your profession, and being honest with yourself about maybe I should tune up a little bit here or maybe because I don't ever say that I know it all. I always say I'm learning it all. Yeah, that does seem to be probably the safest place to be is always in a position of being a learner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, interesting you say that. So uh, so, so this series that we're doing, it's themed around, loosely themed around like recovery basics, sobriety basics, mm -hmm. sobriety essentials, things like that. Uh, where I've been compiling a bunch of ideas, little quips and maxims that seem to be, say something about like, this is like a, a recovery essential. Let, let's explore this. And one of them I think has to do with honesty, honesty, integrity yeah. as definitely an essential and definitely a basic, like, like you, you should be doing this if you want to be sober and succeeding at sobriety and everything. So wanted to capture some of your thoughts around that. Sure. Um, let's see, it's a very big topic. So, uh, and some of the other contexts. So, so we're doing this group, um, and do a couple of men's groups also, and we're doing this, this specific series on integrity repair where mm -hmm. we're looking at, um, what are the ways that we have practiced deception? What are the ways we've used deception to survive? What are the impacts of people using deception on, on us? So, th so there's a lot there. And um, we seem to be unpacking these two, two major facets. Like it's important to be honest with others, but it's also very important to be honest with one's own self as well. And so be curious, uh, some of your thoughts. So if one... How would uh, how would you discern if you are truly being like honest with yourself about um, like what your condition is, what your needs are? Well, yes, it is a very huge box to uh, unpackage, if you will. Uh, I, I think the, the the thing that comes to me immediately is the reflection part, like providing myself the time for self-reflection, thinking about some of the elements of, gee, did I, did I say that abruptly? Did, did I mean to say what I said to that person or, or that situation? Uh, I could have been maybe nicer or I could have said it differently, right? So looking at the integrity of how I come across to other people, we'll take this for example, right? Um, when I'm here with you, I'm right now I feel totally relaxed, totally me, myself, I am who I am. And as I think back, I'm still reflecting on how, how honest can I be and how, how vulnerable am I willing to be in order to talk about how these sort of reflect back to me. Um, I often do this, uh, if not daily, but pretty much throughout the entire day literally. Uh, it's sort of in, ingrained in me that this is just what I do. I don't have to stop and think about it. Um, there are situations where I'm responding to a student and then I almost immediately think, oh, I, I could have used another word. And I stop myself and then I correct it. And then I make the admission 
in front of the entire class. Um, it kind of shows a little humility. It shows a little bit of uh, humanist, hum a humanistic view of like who I am and, and it's okay. And, and just modeling it's okay, you know, to, to make a mistake and then self-correct, right? Mm -hmm. And that's just the me part. That's the me taking care of Orlando because I'm just as important, but at the same time, I, I don't want that to overshadow the work that I, that I do. Yeah. I love that idea of um, like, like the immediacy of I, I catch myself in an error pretty quickly and, and take action to, to amend it right away. And what you had said too of, uh, you know, you, you do this sort of reflection throughout the day because it's, it's just what you do. And, and I love that, um, that way of life component to it. Um, like it's not this like big, huge deal or this special program or this, you know, magic trick you're doing is just, it's become part of your character, part of who you are. Yeah. Uh, which I think is, is an important thing as we talk about, uh, you know, sobriety in general, a lot of these, uh, things we do, um, like, like, like sobriety is not the short term, like diet that you go on for a little bit. No. Like you get, you get sober for 30 days and then you're done. No. It's much more, I'm, I'm becoming this, this kind of person. So, so to be, to be an honest person, one who is, uh, well, I guess that, you know, I'm thinking a couple of terms because to, so there's this idea of like being honest, but there's also this idea of being like authentic and like you're yes. saying, uh, right now you feel like you can be like authentically you, which that's awesome. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you can do that here. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, but I think another, another, I think another feel of that too, that there's some places where I feel just really relaxed and other places where I feel like I have to front in some way or put up a mask or put up some part. And, um, and I, and I suspect as I've been talking with, talking with guys that, um, that's, um, that that happens for a lot of people. And then for some people, we, like we get so used to, to wearing our masks that yeah. we forget that they are masks and, and the idea of taking them off is both terrifying and also kind of bewildering. Cause it's like, well, what else is there to me? Uh, I wonder how, uh, if you might speak to that a little bit. Well, there's many facets that we have, but, but the, one thing I want to go back to is uh, I didn't get here like overnight. Uh, in other words, I wasn't able to do those self-reflecting. It was a lot of denial and no, that's not what I meant. Well, you got it wrong. You heard it wrong. I, I did all of that. So uh, to jumping into re, uh, to recovery doesn't mean that this happens on a, it's a lot of work behind it, which now leads into the, the question that you asked me. There's still a lot of work. Um, the self-reflecting is just one element, uh, being authentically your own best friend in, in many ways um, and catching yourself. And it, I'm going to use an analogy and see if it works. I don't know. Uh, we we can figure this out. Well, we like analogies. Yes. Uh, so if I'm on a cooking show and I love the Food Network and not that's a shameless plug, but if, if I, in fact, am doing a cooking cook-off or bake-off, I'm going to get judged. And when I get judged, I need to hear not only the good, but also the criticism, because I can't get better unless I know what it is that is missing, or I could have done, or a different technique, you know, gee, why did the cake, you know, fall flat, etc. And when I hear the criticism, oh, I know what to do. Much the same way in, in my life, Right? So if I don't hear the feedback from others, I'm not going to grow. And so I, 
it took me a long time to be open about it, to be vulnerable, uh, to accept other people's feedback. Um, yeah, I still get shaky and nervous, like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm doing MI and now they put me on the spot. What do I say? I'm going to say the wrong thing. And you know what? It's it's okay. It's it's how I learn. I'll speak for myself. Um, it's it's it makes it a lot easier for myself to be authentic, to be real. Um, as sometimes it's said in the hood, be real. <laughs> um, and I think that's one of the main main reasons. Uh, you know, in order for us to connect with the other person. So if I want to continue in my realism of being who I am, but at the same time, not be offensive, I have to be mindful. I have to use trauma-informed tactics, if you will. Um, I know it's a big buzzword, but actually it's been around for a long, long time, right? Uh, we just didn't call it that. Uh, but it's just a, an ongoing practice that, that I continuously do. So I'm always checking on myself. I, I think of, like I said, you know, the big bake-off that, you know, I, I need that feedback, right? And so the more of that feedback that I get back, the, the better I can improve me because I'm, I'm, I'm not done yet. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, so you're not done yet, which means you're half-baked. <laughs> I am half-baked. Good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Me, me, me too. Um, still got the soggy bottom, but anyway, uh, so a, a question there. Uh, so it's, I'm imagining, like you said, here's here's this classroom situation where yeah. there's this concern. Oh, what if I say the wrong thing? And, and I feel like uh, a common approach a person, like a teacher, might take in that situation would be along the lines of, "Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say what I say, and like you just you know what people can think what they will, but like whatever, like they're just they're just them." And I, th I think I've fallen into that mode uh, a time or two myself, where the, and I guess I call it the defense mechanism I put up is yeah. the, um, I'm going to make myself impervious to other people's opinions and other people's critiques because, and just, you know, I'll believe in myself or something. Yeah. Uh, and what, 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 you're, what you're saying seems, well, I, I think it is really wise, but, but also it seems like very much the inverse of that, where you actually like open yourself to people's thoughts, comments, critiques, uh, as a learning measure. Um, yeah, that's an important element. Uh, we as human beings, we need a model. We need to model what it is and how we would like to be treated. You know, we often uh, go back to the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. Well, there's a platinum rule, which is treat others the way they want to be treated. And I think the truth behind that is being, you know, the authentic self, but also to be open and be vulnerable uh, to what other people have to say and or how they respond. You don't have to necessarily agree, but you you can at least be there to listen. Yeah, looking at the the other point of view, uh, I think there's like I said earlier, there's a lot of different components, a lot of different elements with regards to the integrity part of it. Not only with the the self, but also beyond that. You know, um, somebody asked me an opinion about something anything from politics, religion, etc. I, I will give it to him, but I'm not going to offer it, you know, just freely out there because oftentimes giving out opinions, and again, this is just my opinion, uh, is often not necessarily uh, the best way to have a conversation for, for me. Uh, so I won't uh, infuse like, uh, or start off a conversation with an opinion. Well, I think... 
XYZ, the way you do this podcast can be done differently, you know, because I'm, I'm going to, you know, invite you to, you know, a verbal fight. Right. Yeah, I do. I do notice that uh, that that flavor of conversation where someone leads with an, an opinion versus leading with a question, uh, and I mean it. It's a practice I try to do, uh, like, like leading with curiosity in a lot of my conversations. Um, and I notice if I'm not doing that, it's usually because I'm feeling like insecure or feeling defensive or feeling yeah. threatened or or just like I'm very like I'm I'm seeing my agenda more than I'm seeing the other person, and so I'll lead with like a here's what I think sort of idea. Yeah, you <clears> mentioned <throat> earlier something about a defense mechanism. They're not going to go away. <laughs> we yeah. know where to pull them out. You know, we've had them for, for many years and we know that they work, but they often work in a very hurtful way. Um, not always, but uh, for example, good healthy boundaries is good healthy boundaries. It does ha add this element of protection for not only you, but also the other person. But if if I start off and 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 like I said, you know, this is what I think. Well, I think what you're doing is is in, you know, wrong or incomplete, etc. I think the the main thing here is being mindful. I, I guess that's the word that comes to mind is being very thoughtful about one's verbiage and how it's used. I often have a pause when uh, somebody asks me a question, whether it be open ended or closed, uh, or even a reflective question, uh, and I often will take a moment. It's something I've learned over the years because it it allows me to gather where the person at because I'm just not listening to their words. I'm I'm seeing them. I'm looking at all the nuances. I'm looking at the body language. Uh, I am hearing all the words that they're saying. I'm answering with my heart and I'm going with my gut feeling. And I don't know if you noticed that I was just moving with my making gestures, eyes, ears, heart, and uh, gut. And I do that because it helps remind me of where I'm at. Like, you know, where is the focus? Is the focus on you or is it on them, right? And I, and I think that that piece of it is really important. I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, remembering where the focus is and, and where it needs to be. I, I'm appreciating this approach to honesty and integrity that's really based in, in, in mindfulness. And in... Uh, uh, a knowing of self and because yeah it seems like if you if one wants to be connected and they'll say like that's one of the main reasons to 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 practice honesty is to have a true true connection um i i can't fully bring myself to you unless i am, am honest about it and i can't truly be honest unless i know what's there and so that that the practice of, of mindfulness of reflection of just getting to know like you know who who is reese what what are the parts of Reese that, that come up in this situation or what are the, the needs, the desires and um, like what, what are the inner workings? So. Could thy own self be true? Yeah. And that's what comes to mind. And it's, it's a lot easier said than done because it's a practice. It's an action. Um, and I think the only way a person can actually get there is to continually look at introvertly where they're at what they're saying, what they're doing, et cetera. And how can I make it better? How can I improve? How, you know, it's a constant. It, mm -hmm. It's I've met many of people who are just set in their ways, often it's said. That's just how they are, right? Or, or to me, again, it's that defense is just coming out one more time. Just not, what they're really saying to me is I'm not willing to change. I'm not gonna embrace it. I'm not willing to listen. This is how I think, this is how I feel. 
If you don't like it, it's my way or the highway, that sort of a thing. And you know what? That Maybe that's where they're at. And I embrace that. Mm-hmm. I say, well, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to convince or change anyone's mind. They need to do that for themselves, which is the basis of counseling, uh, right? Right. But <laughs> at the same time, uh, I'm not here also to fight, right? Um, when, I, when I think about, like, the longe- longevity of life, uh, one of the things that, that constantly comes out in, in all these different uh, things that we hear about longevity um, is not to be angry not to be angry with others and or with yourself. And so I often look at that as sort of um, my, my track or my pathway or, or my philosophy on, okay, what's bringing anger to you, right? And so then I have that tough conversation. And the other thing that I do is I also have an honest buddy, a friend of mine who happens to be a therapist, but uh, he's very upfront and honest and, and, you know he'll 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 frame it and he'll say, "Well, I want to say something, but again, I don't want you to necessarily take this in offense. But this is what I see, right? And that that's what I need. And I think everyone should have some kind of a someone to bounce things off. And as long as they're they're not going to be the yes person for you, but they're going to be the honest person mm-hmm. because when you get the honesty back, it helps you reflect back on okay, what are what is something that I can do." that can improve me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then think of this idea of, like you said, with, with this idea around anger, um, being able to like, honestly, truly reflect and notice, uh, I know, I notice I'm feeling angry or I notice, um, my anger part is rising up in response to some sort of threat, which is, again, it, it's that practice of self-reflection and practice of mindfulness, knowing your own parts and, and why they're there. Um, and it does seem like, that becomes a platform if I if I can speak on behalf of my parts yes. uh, very honestly. Um, that um, that supports connection. It doesn't have to drive another person away. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be unhealthy people that are just offended by everything. Um, but if I'm with like a reasonably healthy person, be like, hey, here's this honest feeling. Um, and I think if I if I can talk about it as th- this is a feeling I'm having, it's not yes. it's not the true the true me. Um, my, my, my true me is just really curious, really connective, really wanting to just like, be, be, be with you. Um, there, there's a lot of room for, you know, you're here with me, I'm here with you. I have my feelings here. You have your feelings here, but we can, we can talk about them as this, you know, almost like parallel track. Mm-hmm. Going on. Our feelings don't define us. It, it's just the feeling is what, what we're experiencing at the, at the moment, um, which really brings up a really interesting uh, situation that actually happened a couple of days ago. I received an email. We know that emails can be <laughs> misread and misinterpreted. So I received an email just yesterday or two days ago. And the very beginning of the words were, I'm really, ter- I'm terribly unhappy with... And that's everything else went blank. <laughs> I, I, I looked at it, and immediately this anger just boiled from the very gut of my body, and it just came up. And all of a sudden, it was in my head. And uh, there's a term that I use, which is the itty bitty silly committee, <laughs> for lack of the, I don't want to say the other word, but. But this committee in my head starts to go off and thinking, how dare they, right? And again, this is all in my head. How dare they 
Who do they think they are telling me? I'm trying to be nice, right? And it's all about me and not about the other person. And I re- and I didn't respond to the email because I know better, right? And so that's another thing. It's like I, I have that pause that I said earlier. I have the same pause uh, with my emails. Um, and thank goodness they, they, they have that little thing where, you, you know, 30 seconds, you could just, you know, pull the email back. But I, I sat uh, with that. And I stood in my own anger with intent because I wanted to go through all of that feeling. And this one took a little bit longer. This one took about two hours before I finally was able to embrace what was actually being said. And I was able to respond. And I actually uh, had a conversation with that person on the three and a half hour mark where I was able to share with them my feeling, right? being authentic and real uh, of who I am, uh, and they embraced it. And it was just a beautiful scenario because in my head I was thinking, well, I'm not going to go to their their Halloween party and I'm just not going to invite them and I'm not going to bring any extra food for them. And, I, and all that stuff just like pounded in my head. I was like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. It's so much work. And a lot of people don't understand that there's a lot of work behind you know, a lot of the emotions, if we allow it, if we allow it. Yeah. But if you work through it, which is part of my recovery and being real to myself, I can work through it with myself and be a better person for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, and I'm loving the way that, um, yeah, I'm just loving a lot of, a lot of things about that story, but uh, there's like this practical components of, again, just really, truly, honestly acknowledging hey these are my feelings right now it's this rage it's this very visceral like in my body like i want to react yeah i you know don't want to invite you to my party you know that sort of thing um uh and in the way you told that it seemed like like that honesty with your own self became the launch point for well now that i've owned this is what's going on now i can work with it now i can address the anger express it put it aside and then and then ultimately, you know, go, go to the person. And, and it, it sounds like, you know, you weren't at all like lying or hiding or being deceptive with the person in not giving like the full brunt of your age to the person. There was no compromise of honesty. It was more, but it was maybe more bringing more of like the fullness of yourself, like the actual you um, yeah. and a lot of the context of the person, which sounds like what the person was able to, to receive a lot more. So... Yeah, that's how it happened. And I always start off, may I speak candidly or may I be open or will you allow me to express myself? And I, I'm constantly, always asking permission to me is really important. Whenever I want to express, I, I need to ask permission. And once they allow me to do that, then I know I'm able to then express how I feel, not directed at them, but directed at what's going on with me, right? So this anger, this this... Uh, being upset, frustration, whatever it is, you know, at least it gets out on the table. Once it's out on the table, then we can look at it and sort of pick it apart, if you will, and be able to see, oh, where is it coming from, right? Um, And if I really, really dug deep, which I did, uh, a lot of that was coming from PTSD from yesteryears. Oh, you're in trouble. You sent a bad email and people are going to know and you didn't do it perfect. You know, all that old stuff came back. And it really made me think, gee, I still got stuff to work on. Ah! Yeah. 
And you know what? Stuff like that does come up. But I, I believe that what works for me is that if I take it and embrace it, like what happens in an embrace? When you do an embrace, you bring it in. You bring it in close. You bring it to you. So I often tell people, take whatever is angering you, just embrace it. You bring it in a little bit closer to you so it doesn't have that power. And then if it doesn't have that power, then you can ask, begin to start working on it. And that's usually how I sort of take care of that piece of it. Yeah. Within the internal family systems framework, we, we do a lot of that. Of um, Maybe you could talk about like giving an embrace to a part, uh, but definitely offering compassion, offering mm-hmm. affection, offering just like a, like a welcome. And much as uh, if you offered that gesture to, to a small child, like, you know, a small child's like, you know, running and jumping and clawing and grabbing at you, oftentimes just like settling down with them for like a, a nice deep hug calms things immensely mm-hmm. and they're they get what they need or they're able to say more clearly here's what i need and and things get that calmer get better so yeah, it makes me think of uh, of an animal uh, take a cat or a dog and they're very hyper have a lot of anxiety uh, all you have to do is just take them hold them embrace them and just whisper just sweet words to them like it's okay it's okay. And you'll notice that they begin to calm down. And in much the same way, we're, we're also creatures in, in a sense where, you know, we got to take care of ourselves. And so that inner child in me needs to be calmed, needs to be reckoned with and, and told, you know what, it's going to be okay. Why? You don't need to beat yourself up anymore. Those days are over, right? Yeah. And so I get to embrace me and I get to see myself calm down and then I get to reason it out and then I'm able to feel comfortable with me again and say, you know what, that was, that was just another part of me that I needed to take care of. Yeah. I mean, coming back to like, like recovery basics and things, it, it, Seems like a very big deal for for the for these men for these women to be able to recognize. Hey, I have an inner child. I can be nice to them, and and that that gesture of like inner gentleness, inner compassion is is huge when it can be accomplished. Um, but but for whatever reason, and for a lot of reasons, it tends to be a, a tricky thing for people. Or you know, for for a lot of, a lot of reasons, they you know have like disdain for their yeah. inner children, or they're overwhelmed by them, or they're just like I don't like kids. So. Uh, it's it's definitely a journey to go on. Um, so shifting gears a little bit to sure. talking about uh, honesty and integrity and, and authenticity, you know, we've been talking a lot about what that means to be honest with yourself. You know, based on a lot of like self knowledge, self reflection, mindfulness, uh, and in there, there's this big component of you know, if I'm honest with myself, that also means I'm taking responsibility for myself. And uh, it seems to pave the way for a lot of you know reconciliation and, and things. But I'd love to explore a little bit about uh, honesty with other people. And there's, a, I think, two, two main dynamics I'm, I'm wondering. Uh, one has to do with when one is in recovery and also has a committed partner, like what... Um, what, what is, should the honesty letter look like? Uh, and the other component I'm curious about is when one has like an accountability partner or like a, like, like a sponsor or a recovery peer, you know, someone you would reach out to every other day or so for, for, for a check-in. Um, how honest should honest be? Or what feel like essential things that you should be bringing out about yourself um, in that situation? Well, on the one hand, I currently don't have a partner, and so um, I could only reflect back to when I did have a partner, and I wasn't very honest. 
I wasn't taking my responsibility. And I used a lot of the defense mechanisms I, 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 because it was safe. It, 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 I felt comfortable in doing that. But I felt awful at the same time knowing that I wasn't being upfront and honest and taking any responsibility. Um, but I realized in that six-year relationship, um, I began to, to become honest and letting them know how I felt and, and, you know, taking on the responsibilities of, you know, maybe I forgot to do something or say something, et cetera. Um, but I can't speak too much of it because I've been without a partner for many years. So um, I, let me just speak to the other piece of it. Um, I do have something, someone that I bounce things off of, um, you know, someone that I, I do work with in, in recovery. Um, and it's not always necessarily the sponsor. Um, it's other people in recovery who have the same amount of time as, as I would have, you know, someone who has 35, 36 years, I feel comfortable in speaking with them because there's, there's going to be a lot of things that I'm going to be, um, be able to relate to with regards to their experiences, although that's not always the case. But I do find some comfort in taking the responsibility when I'm called out on certain things. Well, were you being honest about what you said to that person? And I was like, well, and usually if I start with a long word, a short word that I elongate, well, you know, I already can, that, that's my dead giveaway. Or, or if I say, so, okay, right? And that's Orlando's little defense saying, okay, you're going to tell the truth, so be gentle with yourself. And it, it helps me sort of come out of my shell, if you will, to, to be open to and to be vulnerable to that other person to then take that responsibility. And, you know, that's just how I do it. Other people, you know, do it differently. This is just my comfort level. So, yes, I think it is an important piece that we all need. We're, uh, speaking of recovery, we all need to be honest with ourselves because what's the worst thing that can happen? We relapse. Right. And I don't think, honestly, I don't really believe people recover because they want to relapse. I think there's there's an inherent reason why they want that sobriety, that recovery. And it's really often tied into their honesty, not only with themselves, but with other people. Mm -hmm. um, if I cannot be honest with you, for example, what am I doing here? Why am I here? Mm -hmm. right? And so I need to be honest, you know, not only with myself, but with other people. It's, it's an important component. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, why go through all of the work to be sober? Because it's a lot of work. Uh, and some having something like, uh, like I guess like the, the other venue would be like, I have something really purposeful to do and, and you know, this, you know, really, really meaningful sense of purpose. But, but what we're talking about is a sense of connection. Like if I, if I, if I can be truly honest, truly open, there can be this really true, true connection. Um, and you know, that could look like I'm saying truly, here's things that I did. I think it'd be a lot of, here's what I'm feeling and some of here's what I'm struggling with. Yeah. Some of here's what I'm thinking. Um, but yeah, but it sounds like you're, 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 you're saying having that makes the recovery work worth it or that that's, that in itself is a good end to the, the sobriety labors. I, I, I believe it is. I mean, let's take you and I, for example, you know, we, we connect when we connect. And although there might be six or eight months in between when we meet up again, like today, it's like, we just 
spoke yesterday, right? And I think that's where true connection happens. There are many people in the recovery world that I haven't spoken to that I could name off the top of my head. But the minute I see them, we we generally pick up from where we left off. It's like, oh my gosh, where you been? How come you don't stay connected? It's none of that. It's about the here and now. It's about let's just be upfront and honest with each other. And this is, this is what's going on. I think your opening question to me, if I could reflect back was what's going on with you? Uh, yeah. How are you doing? You know, what's, you know, and to me, that was like, that kind of sets things up. So like, Hey, let me catch up with you. And this is what's happening. Uh, I think the last time we spoke, my mother had just died uh, back in November of last year. Um, and, you know, still sort of working through that piece of it. Um, and, and, you know, you know, these are just like letting us know, like, this is where we're at, you know, in our day. So, yeah, I kind of got lost in my thoughts here. That, that, that's okay. Yeah. But I, but, but I hear that there is, yeah, there, there, there is a sort of connection that, that you and I can, you know, step into and it's there, that there's trust there, there's shared experience, there's, there's shared interest, but I, I think it also has to do with, um, like we both are fully in the moment and, um, yeah. like I'm like, well, like 99%, like non-distracted, <laughs> there's always a little bit of distraction going on, but, um, but yeah, it, and that, that, that experience that I think I have with you right now that I've had with some really good friends over the years where it's like, um, this person is fully invested in me right now and I'm fully invested in this person. And sometimes that's accompanied by a lot of self-revelation, but not always. And, and I'm, I'm in some of my more recently developed, uh, friendships, I'm kind of discovering that, um, that realm of, I haven't gotten to know everything about your life yet. I haven't revealed everything about my life. And we might even have like some really different interests, but, um, but we were, we're fully present together. Yeah. Or, I mean, in the case of, you know, people in, in, in my parish, we're, we're doing these shared rituals, these shared practices. We have this like shared object of focus and there, there's something connective there. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm wondering a little bit too, because I'm thinking about like the the in the moment conversational connections you could have, but also the the way you connect as you live with a person or uh, you you share a lot of life with a person. That there's ways to connect there too. But I, I guess one thing that comes to mind is I live with curiosity, um, and I think it's a very healthy curiosity. Um, you know, I'm always curious. Like, gee, I wonder what. Reese is up to these days or wonder what he's doing and, you know, remembering your humble beginning. In fact, even going further back before you even started, you know, your practices, you know, and, and where you at and how we met, um, you know, just all of that. It's just sort of like, it's, I can't, I'm trying to think how many years it's been, but it's been a while. Um, and, and, you know, when I look at that and, and I'm still that same person where, Whereas I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you've done, what you've accomplished, and and what you continue in terms of what you want to accomplish in your life. But you're right. There, there are some elements in your life that I I know very little or nothing about, and vice versa. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. that doesn't um, you know uh, make or break any kind of a relationship. I I don't think, in my opinion. But you know, then again. Um, getting to know the person and getting to know where they're at. Um, it, it's always a, a new adventure for me because I'm always curious, you know? Yeah. 
I'm very curious about your relationship with your, um, your with your parish, for example, right? Um, you know, because I've been struggling to get back to the church because of quote unquote what happened to me, you know, and that's silly stuff. And it'd be great to have that conversation, you know, um, and so on, you know. So that yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate that. I I always like talking about that stuff. Um, one one question I want to touch on a bit. Um, so so as you and I are talking about. Uh, honesty as part of connection and um, we can maybe even say just kind of like reveling in what the experience of connection is because we we both experienced it you know with, with each other with, with others and yeah the sense of of taking down the masks um, setting aside the parts knowing and being known and we can say from experience that it's great it's really it's really wonderful and you know probably also point to some science that's saying like when people can get in this sort of like attuned state it's really healing in a lot of ways one of the things that comes up though uh again as i'm working with um with the guys i'm working with and they're they're doing the recovery work working really hard that idea is terrifying um uh or like you, you're talking about it, and I'm gonna have to borrow this language of lo- looking at each new relationship as an adventure, as like, hey, hey, here's here's the excitement, here's the novelty. Like, can I get to know this person's like internal world? Can I get to know their emotions? Um, I, I think that could be a really helpful thing because it's like for for a lot of people, there's this idea of like, oh, if people know me, they're gonna not like me or they're gonna reject me, and so there's a lot of fear around that idea. And I wonder how would you encourage someone in that spot, or um, what would you say to that? I, I I just believe that humans are connected. Hum, they're they're connected organisms, and they can't live alone. You know, our Surgeon General or our drug czar in the United States talked about that incredible disease known as loneliness, and he brought it to the forefront. He talked about his loneliness and what that meant to him. That one hit home for me. Because uh, I never looked at it from those pair of glasses, and when I when I heard him speak so eloquently about loneliness and 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 his own adventure, I thought we are creatures that need to be connected with other hu- with other human beings. Despite what's going on in Washington with all the this that and the other thing, there's still that connectedness that we all need as human beings. So why not go on the adventure? It doesn't really matter what the other people think. You know, when I first came into recovery, I remember somebody say, at that time, he was an old timer, right? I think he had like five years. <laughs> and, uh, and to me, that was an impossible thing. I was like, who can have five years sobriety? And he said to me, it's none of my business what I think of you. I was like, uh, okay, it's none of my business what I think of you. Or rather, it was none of my business what you think of me. I was like, oh, okay, well, I, I don't understand it. But it's my business uh, to to understand, uh, to to uh, talk about screwing up a, a great line. <laughs> okay. But it was none of my business. It's my business of what I think of you. That's what it was. It's none of my business of of what you think of me. In other words what your opinions are, et cetera, they belong to you, et cetera. But it's my business of what I think of you. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I thought, okay, that makes no sense. 
I didn't understand. It took me years, years and years. And the truth is, it's it's kind of how I do things. Like, so somebody can have an opinion, a thought, or 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 see things a certain way, and that's that's how they see it, and and that's okay, you know. And and it's really none of my business, you know. Uh, and but it is my business of how I think of the other person because I'm expressing it out. And it sounds like that taking ownership again, taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like this is my mind, my inner world, and I'm responsible for that. And because that's what I can affect, and that's what I, I, I use, that's what I experience. Um, you know, it's not my fault what you think of me. It's not my responsibility. It's not yeah. within what I can change. Um, and so to, to to fixate on that, or to put hope in that, or to like be de- uh, contingent upon you thinking a certain thing of me just feels really precarious. Well, it's just what happened just now. I screwed up that line, uh, but then <laughs> took ownership and thinking, okay, well, I didn't say it right. Let me say it until I get it right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I'm okay with that, you know, or, or, you know, I'm not a bad person. I'm okay. You know, that sort of thing is what I say in my head. It's like, okay, well, you said it wrong. Just try it again and say it right. Right. And so it is about taking ownership. It's about being honest with the other person. It's about um, respecting where they're at. Um, I talked a little bit earlier about that longevity uh, thing uh, that they were doing a study on. And the other one was connection, um, living living together uh, and 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 sort of being being able to work with each other and and knowing everything about each other. So again, that's another element of, you know, um, of you, that human connection, if if you will. Mm-hmm. yeah, to. Yeah, that, that idea. There, there's these people that I share a lot of life with, and yeah, at, at least a couple of people who know everything about me. There, there can be something that's on the one hand, kind of. There could be something kind of terrifying about that, but it could also be yeah, like yeah. exhilarating too. Be like, wow, like somebody knows me and likes me still. Yeah, <laughs> and like when I mean when I've experienced that, and I'm delighted. I, I have experienced that quite quite a few times. I've uh, been able to reveal a yeah. lot, like some really deep things with people and have them still like me and want to be in a relationship with me and everything. It's really wonderful. It's really healing. Uh, it, 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 it's always a risk. I mean, like the risk never goes away. Um, but that, that same thing that once could have been terrifying is now really exhilarating and also just really affirming because it's like, hey, I, I am a real person. I get to be a real person. Uh, I don't have to hide copious amounts of myself just to be accepted by you. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the gift that you offer to me. That's the gift that I offer to you. We do that for each other. And yeah, there is something incredibly healthy about that. You know, back in 1978, dad, did I go there? Yeah. But back in 1978, <laughs> uh, I remember, and, and I'm sure I, I'm not the origin of this saying, but it's something that I've wrote in my in my high school um what do you call those books yearbook chopper keepers <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and i and in the very front page uh, and it says what is life without adventure without adventure there is no life and i've lived through that and i've also lived through the disco era and the 90s <laughs> and so on and so forth so yes a lot of adventure out there and the nice thing is that there's still a lot more, you know. Uh, so even though that time has elapsed, uh, I do believe that life is about adventure, uh, trying new things, uh, 
you know, because you'll never know. I tried, oh, Tai Chi one day, and I thought, oh, that's silly. Oh, why would I do that? Oh, that's, I'm not going to learn. Well, that's just for old people. Well, today I'm an old people. Uh, <laughs> and, and when I tried it for the first time, it was frustrating. I can't do it. This is silly. And, you know, trying to do those moves really, really slow. And, you know, the instructor and telling you you're not getting it right. Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi, you know, wax on, wax off. And I finally got it. And it was towards the end of that one year that I committed myself to that I said, okay, I, I, I like this. This is so calming, so peaceful. Life is about adventure. So what is life without adventure? Without adventure, there is no life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really love that. So um, in, in, in conclusion, thinking about, uh, again, you know, honesty, authenticity, connection, things we've been talking about, um, any last thoughts, words of advice for, say, like a, a person who's you know, still newish to recovery work, kind of in the first two years, uh, kind of struggling to be honest, str struggling to be vulnerable with people. Um, what what would your advice be? Um, try to learn how to reflect. Um, try to learn how to reflect on what what it is that you said, what it is that you did. This is afterwards, uh, and eventually you'll get to the point where you can reflect before you say and before you do. Um, and it's work, and it's a practice, unlike any. Thing else that we do, like cooking or or do lifting weights, it is all about the practice. And so, why not invest in yourself? Practice with yourself. Um, you know the work that you are soon to embark on, so that you can live a happy, healthy, and recoverable life. Yep, the practice of connection and, and of honesty. It's that's perfect. Um. I appreciate you being here. Um, if uh, if a listener wanted to reach out to you, um, uh, what's what's the best way to get a hold of you? What is the best way to get a hold of me? Uh, I would imagine through my email or my phone. I mean, is that something that I, could I can blurt out, or if you want to, and I can definitely put it in the the liner notes as well. So yeah, sure. Um, Go ahead and put it in there, and and you know they can connect with me anytime. Okay, sounds good. That'll be there. And uh, thank you to the listener for following the show and being here with us for today. Um, you can visit my website as newpatterncounseling.com. That's um, the website for for my clinic. We have a great team that supports recovery from all sorts of addictions, and we are accepting new clients. Uh, to learn more about the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash outer circle and you can throw us some dollars and some reviews and that will be very helpful for us also. Uh, we're also on Instagram at New Pattern Counseling and love to hear from your listeners. Even if you disagree with us, that is great foundation for our dialogue and all will be welcome. So thank you again. And we'll be back with more conversations next week and look forward to connecting with you all then. Thank you.